So today I want to talk about coming out of COVID, what that will look like, what that'll mean for you uh, and your organization. And I just want you to think about where we've been and where we're going and consciously make a plan to get where we should be going. Stay tuned. In a world of incompetent bosses, micromanagers, and petty tyrants, one management professor claims that he can help you become the kind of leader that you would want to follow. You are listening to The Leadersmith. Now, here is your host, Darren Gertis. Okay, so um, this episode was kind of inspired by two things. I, I saw a, a really interesting article about how somebody painstakingly tracked everything that they did for a month during COVID, and they had done this before, so they got to compare it. And then I was thinking, oh, that, that could be an interesting episode. So then I thought, oh, you know, I, I saw another one that some a friend sent me. We were co-writing a, a I was writing a chapter in a book about um, what it's like to convert to the virtual environment. And um, and this friend who was also writing um, sent me this uh, article that just came out last week from the BBC, Why Virtual Away Days May Be Here to Stay. And the article was saying that, you know, uh, it was is by the BBC, so it's British, but 40% of Americans and Brits were working virtually in some capacity during the pandemic. Well, so that was interesting, but they talked about it in a different way. Like, I've seen... Um, other articles that were talking about how it's actually kind of better in some ways to have virtual days some days where you work at home because you're not interrupted in the office as opposed to being interrupted by your colleagues or finding other things to do. You can have this alone focus time. That's not what this article was saying. This article was saying that um, there are going to be some virtual days that are going to be better because if everybody goes home, everybody can attend a core group virtual meeting. Well, yeah, I can see some wisdom in that. There, there might be something to that. Okay, so that was from that article, but the second article is what I really want to talk about. The second article was really fascinating. It was in um, uh, Fast Company magazine, and again, the author, Dory Clark, she said, I, I painstakingly tracked everything I did for a month, and here's what I learned. Now, what Dory was talking about was a useful exercise called time tracking, and time tracking means that, and I'm going to quote now, uh, she said, for a month, I recorded everything I did from client work to showering uh, and Excel spreadsheet broken into 15 minute increments. OK, so everything that this person was doing, she did for, you know, she just tracked and tracked and tracked. And then this was in 2018. So this was before the p pandemic. Then during the pandemic in late November into December, um, she did it again and tracked another 30-day period and got to compare notes to see, like, now this is not deep research, right? This is one person's experience, but you got to see what was going on. And so she had some interesting revelations. Uh, again, time tracking was useful um, because it enables you to see what you really do as opposed to what you say that you do. So you might say that you spend a lot of time reading, but if you really do a lot of time watching TV, that's different. Okay. So uh, she compared her data from 2018 to 2020, and she found this. First point, even in the crisis, a lot stayed the same. Okay. So, you know, everything was in upheaval and, you know, the, the pandemic made everybody um, have to change their behaviors in some ways. Uh, and she said this now, again, some people lost their jobs. And for those people, I'm terribly sorry. But for a lot of us, it was 
really more of a nuisance, the pandemic. Like this was really inconvenient. I have to alter my behavior, do something virtually that I would have done in the office. I have to wear a mask when I'm in the store, that kind of thing. She said, for the lucky ones, the pandemic's defining characteristic has been sheer monotony. The same apartment, the same people, the same routine. That's a legitimate concern. Like my kids, I have six kids. They're sick of each other, right? I mean, they just see way too much of each other. And so there's that monotony factor going on. Okay. Um, she said this, uh, when she was tracking things, some things increased, like the time she spent awake in the middle of the night increased by 61% because of anxiety. And that is a national trend. Uh, anxiety is up depression is up, all kinds of issues like that, because we're social beings who are meant to be socializing with each other. That's the way that we function as humans. That's why solitary confinement is such a, a punishing punishment in jail. Okay. She also talked about this client work. She spent 1.8 hours per day in 2018 and 1.8 seven hours per day in 2020. So that didn't really change a lot. Neither did email from 1.4 hours per day in 2018 to 1.5 hours per day in 2020. Now there are some studies that we do spend more time, for example, on virtual meetings and other things um, that have, you know, we work longer hours, slightly longer hours, not by, you know, not another eight hours or anything, but a couple extra hours a day working during the pandemic. But for this person, it didn't change a whole lot. Okay. Then she said this, the Matthew effect is real. Now what's the Matthew effect? The Matthew effect was named by Merton and Zuckerman in 1968. It's from the biblical story in the book of Matthew, which essentially um, the, the point of it is that it amplifies whatever's going on. The rich get richer, the poor get poorer. This is just the way that things tend to work. So she's saying the same thing here. The Matthew effect was taking hold in the pandemic. It amplified what was going on. So she said this, if you have a family, you probably had way too much family in 2020. Okay, that's what my kids are experiencing with having to, you know, not be anywhere except around their siblings. Um, and if you're single, you are probably way too single. And she goes on to describe uh, her dating life. I, she said this, I, the amount of time I spent on dating decreased 29.5% uh, between my 2018 and 2020 tallies. In February 2018, I spent 19.3 hours per week socializing with friends. I have no number available for December 2020 because depressingly, there was nothing to track. Wow. So that, that really shapes things. And when you have, you know, a, a big change like that, like, you know, for me, it was instead of being in my classroom from the time the pandemic hit, I was all virtual for the end of 2020 school year. And then we were told to only come on campus for our classes. Don't even hold office hours, do those virtually. So I came to class just a couple times a week just for class and went to class and then went home. So I get it. It changed things. Um, but it amplified this effect of, wow, I feel like I spent so much time on my computer because I did. I spent more time there. So it amplified things that we were already doing. Okay. The next one was this. You have to create your own meaning. Now, she said during the pandemic, she managed to write a book. Great. The Long Game. How to be a long-term thinker in a short-term world. I haven't read it, but she mentioned it in the article. So here we are. Um, but she said another choice was to park yourself in front of the television. In 2018, she spent 6.3 hours per week consuming entertainment. 
most of which was live theater shows with friends, a joyful social activity. But then she said this, in 2020, I spent almost the exact amount of time, 6.1 hours per week, watching Netflix by myself. Now that's a big difference. And it's a big difference, not because of time, but because of quality, because of what you choose to do. It's it's a difference between home cooking and fast food. It, it just changes things qualitatively. Okay, she also said this, I, I decided to reward myself by becoming immersed in two pastimes. And I'm only gonna talk about one, but she said she started a weekly ping pong lesson. It turns out it's an inherently socially distant sport. So, okay, that's good. Um, but she got to do that because she was trying to find some way of coping, of getting around this, what she called monochromatic life. And I found myself doing the same thing. I was taking the kids out to nature trails that I had never, I lived here for 10 years and I never knew that there were these nature trails nearby. But during the pandemic, we found our way to these nature trails and it became kind of a, an outlet for us. Okay. And then finally, um, she said, make limited choices work for you. And one bright spot between 2018 and 2020 was the dramatic increase in the amount of time I allocated the personal health. And good on her because this is not the case for most people. Most people went from the COVID-19 to the pandemic 20 and they are a lot heavier now than they were before. She said in 2018, I spent an average of 24 minutes per day working out and that's decent. But in 2020, with socializing off the table and most forms of entertainment closed, I spiked to 66 minutes per day. That's great. Most people did the opposite. I did the opposite. I, I, I exercised so much less that my cholesterol spiked 23 points. Now, I track what I eat. So it wasn't what I ate. I didn't change what I ate. But the lack of exercise really affected me. And I don't get out nearly as much as I do. And as summer's emerging, I'm starting to do it again. But wow, <laughs> I mean, it has this effect. Okay, why did I go over these articles? Because I want you to think about this. We, we have been pulled into different routines. And as we come out, we have a choice, a conscious choice to make about whether we're going to go this way or that way. Are we going to settle into these ruts that we shouldn't have gone into, that we didn't want to go into, but we just kind of defaulted into? Or are we going to consciously choose what we're going to do when we come out of the pandemic? Because you have a choice. And just like I had a choice to exercise and I didn't, I didn't take up on it like I should have, I have a choice now and I'm going to be exercising again and moving into that. Um, um, but you have a choice to do that with your business, with how you conduct your business, how much time you spend virtually and how much time you spend uh, in activities as these open up. You have to make conscious choices about it. And that leads us to the quotation for contemplation for today, which is this. This is by John C. Maxwell, author of numerous leadership books. He said this, life is a matter of choices and every choice you make makes you. So I want you to think about that as you move forward and thank you for your time because this was a choice to listen today. It was a choice to meet together. It's a choice to network. It's a choice to enrich yourself, make good choices. And thanks for listening. And I hope that helps you become the kind of leader that you would want to follow.